0: Welcome to the Senedd podcast. These are the
1: First Minister's Questions. Thank you for listening. I call the members to order and before starting this afternoon I would like to welcome the parliamentary delegation from the Maldives who are visiting the Senate today and so welcome to you from the Maldives. Questions to the First Minister, first item and the first item is from Angela Burns. Good
2: afternoon, First Minister. Will you outline the Welsh Government's plans to reduce the number of people smoking in Wales?
3: Uh, thank uh, Angela Burns, for that question. with, we remain committed to reducing the percentage of the Welsh population who smoke to 16% by the end of this calendar year. A post-2020 tobacco control plan is in preparation, deploying all evidence-based techniques to help achieve a tobacco-free Wales.
2: Um, thank you for that answer, First Minister. And undoubtedly, Wales has led the UK in banning smoking in public places, which is very welcome. However, 13 years on, latest figures still show we're failing to address smoking in young people and expectant mothers. Um, Across Wales, 9% of 15 to 16-year-olds smoke, and um, 30% of teenage mums smoke. That's 30% of mums aged between 16 and 19 are smokers at uh, their baby's birth. Now, this obviously has a long-term impact on them and, of course, their child. And one of the things I've discovered is that not all maternity services have dedicated stop-smoking services. Those that do have them have shown a very high success rate. Um, And we have to recognize that teenage mums in particular are very vulnerable to pressures such as body image, Um, they want a tiny baby, Uh, there are a lack of role models here, and of course the demographics um, sometimes fight against them. And we also know that if children see people smoking around them, they're much more likely to take up smoking. So I wondered if you could just outline for me what the Welsh Government could do to ensure that the best practice that does exist where there's a midwife-led uh, stop smoking cessation service in a midwifery unit um, is spread across Wales and we can have more midwives that can lead this kind of practice in order to try to cut down on the rates of teenage smoking. Uh,
3: shall we thank uh, Angela Burns for those uh, supplementary questions. Uh, She is right that there is a continuing challenge to reduce the proportion of young women who become pregnant and who carry on smoking. The figures have to be treated with just a small degree of caution because the percentage is a factor of the fact that the number of teenage pregnancies has fallen so rapidly during the devolution era. So in in the year 2000, There were 495 young women under the age of 16 who became pregnant in Wales. And in 2017, the last year for which we have figures, it was down to 144. Uh, And that's a dramatic rise. Mm. And amongst the 144, there is a concentration of young people who have particular uh, difficulties and challenges then in persuading people to give up smoking. But the range of services which are there in the NHS uh, are designed to try and make sure that there isn't just one approach in hospital services uh work very well for some young people but other young people definitely we know prefer to use pharmacy based uh services partly because it can be more anonymous you'd rather go where you were not so visible to uh, other people especially trained midwives have a very important part to play in working with young people uh, in particular and then working directly with young people is important as well. So in Pembrokeshire, in the member's own uh, area, Howell Var is doing a particular piece of work with young people who are smokers, trying to learn from them about the things that they would find most effective as forms of intervention to enable them to uh, give up smoking. And that work is going on alongside primary care, care clusters and specialist midwives.
2: Yes. Um,
4: thankfully we've made progress in um reducing um the number of smoking in Wales, First Minister, but it still takes a terrible toll on health in Wales, uh, and particularly regarding people living in poverty. Um, I do believe it's important that we make it more and more socially unacceptable to smoke in Wales and the ban on smoking in enclosed public places has been a big part of that. A recent Ash survey showed 59% of respondents in favour of a ban on smoking in city and town centres. Is that something the Welsh Government would consider in terms of making further
5: progress?
3: Uh, Thank John Griffiths, for that. And I completely agree with him, and it was a point made by uh, Angela Burns as well. That social acceptability of smoking uh, leads to young people, in particular, becoming smokers. And We've, we have seen a huge cultural shift uh, in the last 20 or 30 years in social acceptability. Uh, my colleague Von Gethin will bring forward regulations uh, this year to enforce a statutory ban on smoking in hospital grounds, school playgrounds, play areas outside schools and in unenclosed premises in child care. Uh, facilities, and then we will move on to the next uh, phase of our determination to make uh, smoking something that we bear down on, that we reduce, that we uh, prevent young people from thinking that it's a normal way uh, of growing up. And unenclosed premises in town and city centres is one of the things that we will definitely be moving uh, to act on next.
2: Question time, Mike. Head.
6: Two, uh,
3: will the First Minister make a statement on further devu- devolution of taxes as recommended by the Silk Commission? Uh, thank Mark Hedges for that. With, while land transfer tax, landfill disposal tax, and Welsh rates of income tax have been successfully absorbed as responsibilities devolved to Wales, the UK Government continues to reject the Silk recommendation in relation to air passenger duty, despite all the evidence which supports its devolution.
5: Oh, I, I was going to talk about air passenger duty and aggregate levy. The reason why we couldn't have aggregate levy uh, being devolved ends at one second past 11 on Friday. So can we expect it at two seconds past 11 aggregate levy to be devolved? And have you had any further discussion regarding the devolution of air passenger duty? Uh,
3: well, thank much for both of uh, those examples, both of which were considered by... Uh, the Silk uh, Commission. Uh, As Mike Hedges uh, knows and has alluded to uh, the aggregates levy was subject to extensive litigation uh, at European and domestic uh, levels. That was all resolved in February of last year and the UK Government uh, announced a review of aggregates uh, levy and that was due to be published in the autumn. It wasn't published because of the general election We now expect that that review will be published alongside the budget on the 11th uh, of March. There is a strong synergy between the environmental responsibilities that are discharged here in Wales and aggregates levy, which is, after all, an environmental tax. And putting the two sets of responsibilities together would make uh, very good sense. There are some uh, complexities which we expect the review uh, to address. It's a declining tax and the Welsh share of UK aggregates may also be uh, declining. There are significant data uh, issues with it, and of course, it will bring no more money to Wales, because any money that we got through aggregates levy would just be uh, subject to a reduction in the block uh, grant. Uh, nevertheless, the case for it is a strong one, and we look forward to publication of the review. Uh, as far as air passenger duty, is concerned. Well, the UK government has announced a review there uh, as well as part of its flyby uh, activities, and that too is due to be published alongside the March budget. None of that requires further justification for devolution of APD to Wales. The case was thoroughly made in silk. It was thoroughly made in the Welsh Affairs Select Committee uh, report under the chairing of David T.C. Davis, now the Deputy Minister in the Wales Office. We look forward to the UK Government giving to Wales what has already been devolved to Scotland and Northern Ireland. There simply is no excuse for that tax coming to Wales as the Silk Commission recommended.
2: Darren Miller.
7: Uh, First Minister, your wing of the Labour Party is hardly known for cutting taxes. Um, in fact, you're more uh, considered to be an individual that might want to raise them. What assurances can you give to the hardworking people of Wales and indeed uh, those businesses uh, across Wales that if further taxes are devolved to Wales, your government's not
3: going to put them up rather than cutting the burden for people to get on with their lives? Well, uh, I give uh, this guarantee, so uh, that any taxes that come to Wales will be carefully considered that any decisions are made here on the floor of the National Assembly. They're not made by government, they're made by the National uh, Assembly. And when it came to land transfer tax, of course, we cut that tax for the vast majority of house purchasers here uh, in Wales. We cut the business element of land transfer tax so that the vast majority of small businesses pay a lower rate of tax here. In Wales than they did when his government was in charge uh, of it. People will look at at what we did rather than what the member alleges uh, and find that our actions speak a lot louder than his words.
2: Helen Mary Jones.
8: Dear, I'm sure the First Minister will agree with me that it's slightly curious that the Conservative Party always talk about taxes as if it was something dreadful if we didn't pay taxes we wouldn't have public services and I we all know that we need our public, we need investment in our public services going forward in response to Mike Hedges the First Minister mentioned the air passenger duty and the aggregate level, I levy I know that uh, the First Minister will like I do regret what is going to happen on Friday night this week but it is going to happen and can I suggest to the First Minister that this may be an opportunity to look at some other taxes that we might want to seek devolution of over and above silk. Uh, I'm thinking particularly of perhaps the capacity to vary corporation tax, which wouldn't have been possible inside the European Union, uh, seeking possibly the capacity to vary VAT that might be able to help grow some of our own local and indigenous businesses. Um, I realise, of course, Chloé, that the First Minister in this sense is at the mercy of the Conservative Government in London, um, but I wonder if he would agree with me that what he is bound to be a challenging time economically for Wales. We ought to be being ambitious about seeking the levers that we will need to potentially protect our economy from some of the potential negative effects. Uh,
3: thank, Helen uh, Mary Jones, for that. And of course, I agree uh, with her first, uh, her first contribution. Paying the taxes we pay are the admission charge to a civilised society. If we didn't have tax and we didn't pay them, then we wouldn't have the services that we talk about all the time on the floor of this Assembly, in which members opposite are forever urging further investments and more expenditures, while at the same time uh, devising plans uh, to deprive us of what we need in order to be able to do so. Uh, I know that, uh, Helen Mary Johnson will be interested to know that uh, earlier this month, uh, Welsh Treasury officials hosted a meeting here in Cardiff, Involving the Treasury, the Scottish Government, and the Northern Ireland Executive, which was a, a workshop to look at new common ways in which new taxes could be devolved inside uh, the United Kingdom, and that discussion was a productive one, and it will help in some other practical ways in which new opportunities that might come our way in the, in the future can be navigated through the machinery of the United Kingdom.
6: Questions now from the party leaders. Plaid Cymru leader Adam Price.
3: First Minister,
0: one cannot uh, begin to imagine the grief uh, of parents who suffer the loss of a child. Uh, As reported by BBC Wales investigators last night, an inquest found that the healthcare provided to Sarah Handy contributed to her baby's death in 2017. Her case is one of 140 being reviewed to establish whether mothers and babies were harmed while receiving care at Cumtav uh, Morgano maternity units, Rebecca Long Bailey, uh, a Labour leadership candidate, called for a public inquiry into maternity failures at the health board. only we'll need to retract her comments later. The Labour leader of Ronda Canotav Council says it's an absolute scandal that nobody on the health board has been held yeah. to account. He's backing Mrs. Handy's call
3: for a criminal investigation. Are you? Well, as so I agree with what Adam Price said uh, at the start, that uh, a loss of a child uh, in any circumstances, and even more so in circumstances which might have been preventable, uh, cannot be imagined uh, in the impact that that has in the lives of uh, families. Uh, I have heard calls for a criminal investigation that will be entirely a matter for the police and not a matter for me, and I'm going to say nothing on that subject this afternoon that could be interpreted in any way as prejudicing the police's ability to discharge their responsibilities.
0: In last night's programme, Andrew Morgan also said that when there were calls for the resignation of CUMTAF's Chief Executive, he was asked not to speak out. Do you agree that any attempt to gag an elected representative is totally uh, unacceptable? Uh, and uh, will he launch his own investigation as to see whether the allegations that uh, Mr Morgan made vis-à-vis the Health Board are, are true. cumt uh, is not the only Health Board uh, in uh, where there are serious uh, questions. Of course, Betsy Cadwallader is now in its fifth year of special uh, measures and it has an alarming rate of patient safety incidents. Between November 2017 and December 2019, there were 520 incidents within Betsy that resulted in death or serious harm. That total is higher than all the other health boards in Wales combined. Now, there, are, there is either a serious underlying problem within Betsy or there is severe under-reporting elsewhere in Wales. Which is it?
3: Well, so with, uh, I think the leader of RCT is able to speak for... Uh, Himself, I know him uh, very well and hold him in very high uh, regard. He's made no uh, request uh, of me and I'm sure that he's more than capable of doing so for himself, should he wish to do so. Uh, The figures in Betty Cadwallader are, I believe, uh, a sign of a health board in which reporting incidents and learning uh, from them has become part of its culture and that is something that we want to see everywhere in Wales. We regularly have this exchange on the floor of the Assembly where we say that we want uh, a learning culture, we say we want a culture in health boards where people are not afraid to speak up but have things recorded and then when that happens we have questions that say, oh everything must be awful, look at uh, the incidents that are being reported. I just don't think we can have it both ways. I think the fact that there are figures in Betty Cadwalida that demonstrate that staff are willing to report things shows that there is a culture there now which wants to learn from the way that things are conducted. Uh, and that maybe wasn't the case there, not that many years ago. Um, Between December
0: 2018 and December 2019, the figures released just today, uh, there were 41 incidents resulting in death registered within Betsy. That's 53% of all such deaths reported uh, by Welsh health boards in total. That's obviously disproportionately high when you consider that health board covers just uh, just about 20% of the population from Wales. If I've understood the First Minister uh, uh, correctly, what he uh, is saying, but he can respond to confirm whether my understanding is correct, is in in response to my uh, question, uh, he seems to be of the view that there is is underreporting of serious incidents in in the rest of Wales uh, and that there uh, presumably are deaths uh, as a result of incidents, that are unreported in the rest of Wales, which, of course, was one of the most serious charges in the report into the maternity services in Cumtav. So is the First Minister saying now that the key failing, the lack, to, uh, the, the, the lack of reporting of serious incidents that was at heart uh, of the problem at Cumtav is actually
3: a general problem in other health boards apart from Betsy throughout Wales? I must say, Lawid, I think there's a complete Farago. Uh, It's simply building one sort of unsubstantiated assertion on top of another. Uh, I said no such thing, uh, nor would I. What I am saying here is that we want a culture in the NHS in Wales that where things go wrong, people feel empowered to speak up that things are reported and things are learned as a result of those reports being made. I want to see that in every part uh, of Wales, and the Members attempt to try and drag the NHS through the mud once again uh, this afternoon, because that's what he does, and he does it ever so regularly uh, here. He does it very regularly here. He did it again this afternoon. It doesn't do him any good, and it certainly doesn't do any good to patients in the Welsh Health Service. Leader of the Opposition,
6: Paul Davies.
9: Uh, uh, First Minister, last week it was reported that the A465 Heads of the Valleys Road is facing possible further delays, and as you know, it's already significantly over budget. That road was due to be finished at the end of last year. Could you tell us when the Heads of the Valleys Road will be completed, and can you also confirm whether the Welsh Government will be spending any additional resources in excess of the current budget to ensure the road is finally completed?
3: Uh, shall we, the timescales for the completion of the road uh, remain as set out in the statement made by my colleague uh, Ken Skates when he last reported uh, this matter to the floor of the National Assembly and those timescales uh, have not altered. Uh, the Minister will make a further statement on progress in completion of that section of the Heads of the Valleys uh, Road. Uh, The budget for the the completion is beyond what had originally been anticipated. Uh, That is partly explained uh, by the challenging topography uh, which the constructors have faced in making their way through one of the biggest gorges uh, that we've ever built a road of this sort through uh, in uh, Wales. There have been disputes between the Welsh Government and the contractor over some of the other costs that have been uh, raised uh, with us and they remain subject to ongoing arbitration between the parties.
9: First Minister, this particular stretch of road is just one example of many of the frustrations that communities across Wales have had with the Welsh Government's handling of road infrastructure projects. At the end of last year, the Welsh Infrastructure Alliance made it clear in their report that significant investment is required in Wales's trunk road network and more certainty is required on the delivery timescales of schemes set out in the National Transport Plan. And that's entirely true. First Minister, in West Wales the continual calls to dual the A40 have simply fallen on deaf ears. and of course the decision not to press ahead with a solution to the M4 has once again left communities along that corridor frustrated and annoyed. In 2011, the Wales Audit Office found that major transport projects had cost substantially more and taken longer to complete than expected, with overspends totalling £226 million. And this took place under a Labour government. First Minister, do you accept that lessons simply haven't been learned from that damning report? And do you recognise the very distressing impact that your government's mismanagement of road projects is having on people's lives across Wales?
3: Well, if I thought for a moment there was a lesson to be learned from the party responsible for the HS2 uh, line, (laughs) (laughs) and the billions, he talks to me about 226 million, that's that's barely a week's overspend in his government's handling of HS2, where there are billions, billions and billions of pounds. That's a project dreamt up by his party, entirely the responsibility of his party. He thinks he can come here and criticise us for the way that we conduct things when his party is a scandal uh, across the whole of Europe for the way that it has conducted itself in relation to that transport programme. And He quotes me a report of 2011. In 2011, we were at the very start of the year-by-year slash and burn through the capital programme of this Labour government by his government at Westminster. If we had the budget today that we'd had back then, we would be able to do more in a whole range of capital investments here uh, in Wales. I'm not apologising for the record of the Welsh Government. The New Town Bypass completed on budget and on time. The work that we are doing in valley communities, which his party would quite certainly never contemplate spending. In every part of Wales, this government invests to the very fullest extent that we are able, despite the depredations of uh, austerity that his party has imposed uh, on us, and those things are appreciated, far from his carping away at the way things happen, those things are appreciated in every part of Wales as well.
9: Well, you should apologise, First Minister, for the mismanagement of this particular project and you should be apologising to the people of Wales for other projects that your government has mismanaged. And it's a fact that communities are frustrated with the Welsh Government's approach to road infrastructure here in Wales and there seems to me little accountability from ministers for your government's mismanagement. Now, First Minister, you'll be aware of plans by Cardiff Council to introduce a congestion charge, or a valleys tax, as your own members have called it, to charge non-residents to travel in and out of Cardiff. Now, those those plans have been criticised by your colleague, the member for Calfilly, who has made it clear that the charge should not be brought in unless there are clear alternatives to car use, and that the charge should also apply to Cardiff residents as well and the member for Blynai Gwent yeah, yeah. has rightly called it a Valleys Tax.
7: Absolutely right. Now it's a
9: fact that this scheme needs Welsh Government approval before it can be implemented. So, First Minister, is it your government's intention to support Cardiff Council and sign off this Valleys Tax? And do you genuinely believe that Cardiff's public transport system could handle a significant increase in demand that could come as a result of this proposal? And if you do sign off this proposal, how will you avoid creating an us and them environment between the valleys and the capital?
3: Well, uh, so with uh, lectures from the member on public transport and from so the party yes, uh, that cancelled the electrification of the main line here in Wales. Do you remember that? I wonder if the I, I wonder if the member remembers. No, I see he doesn't. He's forgotten that his party promised to electrify the main railway line all the way to Swansea, only then to turn its back on the promise that it had made to people in Wales. He wants to ask me about public transport. Let's look at his record and his party's record for a moment. As far as as far as the Cardiff Council's proposals uh, are concerned. uh, I am glad that Cardiff City Council is responding in an imaginative and determined way to the impact of climate change on the impact of air quality here in our capital city. The most commuted capital anywhere in the United Kingdom. So I don't think that it is right simply to dismiss Proposals that the Council has come up with because they are a serious response to a serious set of issues. But the Member is right to say that, of course, there is a responsibility on the Welsh Government to interrogate those proposals in a regional context. That is exactly what the Minister for Transport said when those plans were announced. That's why we, as a Welsh Government, have set up an investigation into demand management, not just in Cardiff but in the wider region, that the study will look at the benefits and challenges of different demand management approaches and we will use that to inform national and regional policy. We deserve, people in Cardiff and people around Cardiff deserve, to look at serious proposals, seriously, to look at other alternatives that there may be there and to do so in the context of the climate change emergency which faces us all and which Cardiff's proposals are intended to be a serious response to that uh, situation.
5: Has played Brexit. Leader of the Brexit Party, Mark Reckless. Can I wish all members a happy Brexit Day this Friday? Um, not least the Leader of Plaid Cymru, who I commend on the positive approach that he has taken this week. First Minister, do you support the even more positive approach being taken by the Royal Mint in Llan For two weeks they are offering bespoke Brexit tours. I'm looking forward to taking my uh, children to strike their very own Brexit 50-pence coins, wishing peace, prosperity and friendship to all nations. On Brexit Day, the Royal Mail is even opening through the night with public tours every 15 minutes. With Nathan Gill coming to Flantrissant on Friday to operate, the coin, to operate the coin press as his final MEP engagement, can I ask the First Minister what you will be doing to mark Brexit Day?
3: Uh, well, uh, so is. Uh, I will be chairing a meeting of the JMC European Negotiations here in Cardiff later. Uh, this afternoon. It will involve uh, the First Minister and the Deputy First Minister of Northern Ireland. I was very pleased to welcome uh, them to Wales this morning, their first engagement of this sort since the uh, re-established executive. Uh, Michael Gove uh, will represent the United Kingdom Government uh, at this afternoon's meeting and there we will be having another uh, tour uh, of a tourist attraction <laughs> uh but we will be grappling seriously with the issues that face us as a united kingdom as we leave the european union we will be talking about the strategic priorities for negotiations with the european union we will be talking about the way in which devolved administrations can be involved uh, in the setting of mandates and the discharging them in negotiations and that's what i and the welsh government will be focusing on this week and over the weeks and months to come
5: I think the First Minister had announced that he was going to be making a speech on on, on Friday. But I I would like to congratulate him about the meeting he has had today. Because I think while the UK government has understandably been focused on other things, when there hasn't been a Northern Ireland government and when the Scottish government is antagonistic, I think the Welsh government has taken a lead in thinking through some of these post-Brexit issues and what the appropriate architecture should be for our intra-government liaisons in the UK. I was pleased to meet Simon Hart in Tihal earlier, and I hope he will also recognise the strong lead that Welsh Government has been giving in this area. Will the First Minister, however, now also pledge to work with the Leader of the Opposition and with members opposite to use their influence on UK Government ministers to help push forward some of the ideas his government has developed and on which we all agree. And could I also ask, in an effort to find common ground, whether he might reconsider the delete and replace all approach to the Conservative Brexit motion tomorrow. It refers only to the potential benefits to Wales of Brexit, and it has, I thought, in trying to find common ground, speaks relatively non-controversially about new free trade agreements an immigration system which does not discriminate against non-EU, and a new approach to regional investment. It also calls upon the Welsh Government to engage positively with the UK Government. So I wonder if the First Minister could find his way to supporting that.
3: I uh, will thank uh, the Member. The Secretaries of State for Wales, Northern Ireland and Scotland will all be present uh, at the JMC-EN uh, this afternoon. I thank uh, the Member for what he said about the proposals that Wales has made to strengthen the way in which the United Kingdom can operate the other side uh, of Brexit. I was glad to be able to discuss those directly with Arlene Foster and Michelle O'Neill this morning uh, and they will be part of an ongoing discussion about intergovernmental uh, machinery that is discharged at the JMC. Uh, I've been grateful to the Leader of the Opposition here. Uh, for a number of opportunities to meet to talk about uh, matters in relation to Brexit, the future of the United Kingdom and other important public policy uh, issues. And I'm always, it has always been uh, the position of these benches. It certainly was under my predecessor that wherever there are Uh, constructive ideas that people want to contribute to these important public debates. Of course, we are open uh, to hearing them uh, and to discussing them, and I certainly want to go on doing that uh, into the future. Uh, Tomorrow's debate, uh, Slawid will I'm sure have ample time on the floor of the Assembly for people to express their views.
2: Question three, Caroline. three three, Carolyn. Will the First Minister
10: outline the Welsh Government's plans to support people with autism in South Wales West?
3: Uh, Thank you, Cloud. Can I begin just by wishing uh, the member well in her continued recovery from her recent uh, uh, ill health? Uh, The integrated autism service is now available in all regions in Wales, supported by the Welsh Government's continued annual investment of £3 million. We will consult on the draft statutory autism code of practice in April of this year.
10: Thank you for your kind words, Minister, and thank you for your answer to my question. Um, At a meeting um, last Friday, despite the measures you outlined, um, my constituents are still struggling to get um, the support they need, and it's bad enough for families seeking help for the children with autism. But they've highlighted that it can be equally traumatic for adults previously undiagnosed So, First Minister, what additional measures can you take to improve support for adults on the autism spectrum and also to speed up the diagnosis for adults who are without a firm diagnosis?
3: Uh, Well, thank the member for that, and I recognise the points uh, that she uh, raises about people who, when they were in childhood, are maybe autism wasn't recognised in the way that it is uh, today and for some people it's quite late in adult life uh, before uh, the things that matter to them are now being recognised as part of a wider uh, condition. So our integrated autism service now available throughout uh, Wales and as I said in my original answer, uh Llawir, the Health Minister recently confirmed that the £3 million uh, pound investment that we had originally made to uh, assisting the establishment of that service is now to be a permanent part uh, of its funding so that uh, i think will help some of the work that we have done in helping with the training of frontline primary care clinicians uh, to recognise uh, the autism spectrum and people who may be needing help uh, on it i think that will go on helping people in that uh, position and uh, the autism Strat- statutory code of practice which uh, we will publish in April, which we will uh, complete before the end of this Assembly term, focuses on assessment, awareness, access, planning, planning and monitoring, and all of those things are designed to reinforce the service so that adults and young people uh, can be confident that their needs are recognised and responded to in Wales.
11: Susie Davis. Uh, First Minister, not every child in my region with an autistic spectrum condition (coughs) will need full special educational needs or ALN support, but many do, and in some cases, quite significant support. It's also true that some of those children will experience poor mental health, uh, whether that's unrelated to their autism or as a consequence of the daily challenges uh, they face because of their autism. The Education Minister has pledged 7 million pounds towards meeting demand for education support in the current system. And there's an additional 5 million pounds going in from both health and education for the whole school approach, all of which is extremely welcome. But can you tell me how the 3 million pounds to which you referred in your answer to Caroline Jones will be used to meet the needs of autistic children with poor mental health at all levels in the NHS, not just in primary care. And can you give me a guarantee that no child with an autistic spectrum condition will be turned away from primary mental health care due to lack of expertise or training for mental health professionals?
3: Uh, well, thank you uh, for those uh, additional questions and for the recognition of the investment that is going into different parts of uh, the service. And that's over and above the £20 million that's being invested in the implementation of the Additional Learning Needs uh, Act. I, I, entirely agree with what Susie Davis uh, says, that not all children on the spectrum uh, disorder will need the same sort of uh, response. We have developed over the last three or four years the particular service for young people with neurodevelopmental uh, difficulties. Uh, We're carrying out a capacity and demand review of that service because in a way that I think you could anticipate when you create a new service, then a set of latent demand rises to the surface. So the, surf, the service was funded from the beginning to deal with the young people we knew were coming into the system already. You provide a new service, and then a whole number of other young people who hadn't previously been identified uh, come to the surface and need help, and that's why the demand and capacity review is being uh, carried out. Between that Between the things that we are doing in relation to mental health services for young people in schools, allied with what we are doing in relation to the Additional Learning Needs uh, Act, we are creating a web of services which I think are there to create a strong safety net for young people along that spectrum so that nobody falls between the cracks and everybody is able to find a service that meets their particular needs.
6: Question, for Question for Rian, pass more.
2: Will the First
12: Minister outline the Welsh Government's plans for growing the visitor economy in Islwyn?
3: Uh, thank uh, the member for that. The Tourism Action Plan for 2020-25 was launched last week. Its ambition to extend the tourism sector and the geographical reach of the industry will give new impetus to the many attractions which Islwyn has to offer.
12: First Minister, thank you. Last week you and the Deputy Minister for Tourism, Lord Alice Thomas, unveiled an exciting future for the visitor economy in Wales. The new five-year plan, Welcome to Wales, priorities for the visitor economy 2020 to 2025, is backed by a new £10 million fund. Brilliant basics to support the all-important tourism infrastructure, which will complement the 50 million Wales Tourism Investment Fund, focusing on high quality, reputation-changing products. First Minister, the visitor economy, as you know, is vital to the well-being and future of communities in my constituency of Isloin. And as such, last week I met with the uh, Deputy Minister Lee Waters and Hannah Blyen, where we discussed, amongst other things, the place of culture and the Welsh Government's commitment to Kum Forest Forestcenic Drive In Islam, which has been designated a discovery gateway as part of the Welsh Government's valley's regional park discovery gateway. First Minister, the Welsh Labour Government backs its words with action and in November £450,000 was pledged to ensuring the Comcan forest scenic drive will fully reopen in 2020, allowing access to every generation to experience one of Wales' natural wonders. So, First Minister, will you and uh, Deputy Minister Lee Waters accept my uh, invite to join the people of Islay at Cymcarne Forest Scenic Drive, and further, will you and the Welsh Government do all you can do to ensure Wales and the world know that the beautiful Cymcarne Forest Drive is once again fully open for business?
3: Well, uh, so we, uh, I, I thank the member for that. Yes. Uh, <laughs> probing question on behalf of her uh, <laughs> constituents uh, in uh, Isloin. Uh, I very much enjoyed the opportunity to be with uh, David Ellis Thomas at the launch of the Tourism uh, Action Plan in Port call uh, last week. It sets out our ambitions for the tourist industry uh, here uh, in Wales. Uh, the member is absolutely right to point to the Cymcarne Forest scenic uh, drive as an example of the investment that this Welsh Labour government is making in tourism destinations in all parts uh, of Wales. Uh, When my children uh, were growing up uh, we were very regular visitors uh, to Cwm because of the way in which it provides such a variety uh, of opportunities for uh, young people to enjoy the wonderful scenery that is there, but also all those other opportunities that the scenic drive uh, provides. Uh, all the mountain bike routes of Kymkarn have now been uh, reopened. Uh, NRW has submitted planning applications for each of eight recreational areas along uh, the drive when those are in place as well. Alongside the new visitor uh, centre, there will be even more reasons for people to come to Islayan and to enjoy what Kumkan has to offer. And Claes,
1: uh, will the First Minister update the National Assembly on Welsh Government action to promote financial inclusion in Wales?
3: Uh, Claes, our commitment to promoting financial inclusion is reflected through the 19 million pounds funding we provide to offer people access to affordable financial services and quality assured information and advice. This means people are able to make more informed financial decisions and better manage their finances.
1: Uh, thank you, First Minister, and can I welcome uh, the, the range of actions that you, you set out there, which I know, um, you know do assist many of my constituents in Merthyr Tydfil and Romney. And many of us on this side of the chamber also remember the actions of the last UK Labour Government in establishing child trust funds, and of course the additional support for this provided by the Welsh Labour Government. Trust funds exist, um, First Minister, as you know, to help young people with savings to support them into adult life. Support that was abolished by the UK Tory government. Since then, Tory ministers have failed to link people with their accounts, meaning that millions could go unclaimed when all children in Wales born in 2002 will be eligible to access their savings this September. (laughs) What representations has the Welsh Government made to the UK Government to ensure that young people are reunited with their savings? Yeah,
13: yeah.
3: Well, uh, thank for pointing to one of the great social policy experiments uh, of this century. And I deeply regret the fact that the Child Trust Fund, launched by Labour in 2020, uh, in 2002, was abolished by the incoming uh, Coalition Government in 2010, uh, because that scheme offered young people, and particularly people from disadvantaged communities, a chance to begin their adult life with an asset behind them. And in asset-based welfare, the theory uh, is that assets change lives. That if you have a sum of money that you can rely on, you make different sorts of decisions about your future. Uh, Now we have this great natural experiment because we have these cohorts of young people, uh, born from the 1st of September 2002 until 2011, and the first generation of those children turned 18 in September of this year. There were, were 273,000 young people in Wales who had Child Trust Fund accounts opened uh, for them, and some members here uh, will remember my colleague uh, Brian Gibbons uh, introducing a Welsh addition to those Child Trust Funds so that children in Wales, when they became primary school age, every child had £50 added to their account. Every child from a disadvantaged family had £100 added to their uh, account. Now, when the Child Trust Fund was set up the idea was not simply to put money into a child's account, but that that child would be able to track that account Uh, throughout their uh, maturity, that every year they would have a statement telling them how much was being held uh, for them. By the time they were 16, they were meant to be able to make decisions for themselves about where that fund would be uh, invested. And when the fund was abolished, unfortunately, all of that was abolished as well. That's why we are fearful, as Don Bowden has said, That There could be thousands of young people in Wales in September of this year who have had money invested on their uh, behalf and could provide a platform for them as they go into adult life who will know nothing about it. Uh, That's why my colleague Rebecca Evans wrote to Treasury Ministers on the 22nd of January urging them to take new action so that those young people in Wales who have an opportunity to take advantage of their child trust fund will be identified and that we can be confident that, for those young people at least, this opportunity will be genuinely available.
2: I can our question.
6: Finally, question six: Hiranka Davis.
3: Will the First
14: Minister provide an update on the latest meeting of the ford Bridge Task Force?
3: Uh, so I thought the Task Force last met on the 20th of January. It was attended by the Minister for Economy, Ken Skates, and by the Secretary of State for Wales, Simon Hart. The meeting reviewed progress to date and agreed next steps in delivering a regional approach to the Ford plant closure.
14: And I noticed that in the um, press release that accompanied uh, that uh, update uh, last week, it mentioned that in the next phase it'll move on to focusing on the regional approach. Much of the focus at the moment has been very much on the site itself, the legacy, the community fund that will be left, which I have to say, I'm sure. Uh, My colleague Carolyn and I would both agree should be there as large as any community fund that's been left anywhere else when Ford have left a community. But on that regional approach, um, would he emphasise to the chair and the task force members the necessity of working with Bridgend County Borough Council on some of their regional plans as well? And those would include ones such as economic hubs in the Garu and the Ogmore valleys and development of uh, empty or unused sites such as the UNE road site as well. I think there's a real opportunity here, First Minister, for the task force to work across the region with some quite exciting plans that are already in the pipeline. And that's the way we'll make the regeneration with this task force really bite deep.
3: Uh, can I thank you, Anker Davis, for that, to agree with him. Entirely, the closure of a plant like Bridgend has a regional, as well as a local impact. There will be many assembly members here to the east and to the west of Bridgend who have constituents who are working, have been working in in Ford, and the impact of the closure will not simply be felt in the immediate locality, but right across the region. That is why the task force agreed at its last meeting on a regional focus for the next phase. Uh, of its work. Certainly it will want to work with Bridgend County Borough Council to make sure that some of their wider ambitions can be supported by the work of the task force. It's why when INEOS, for example, uh, was brought to Bridgend itself, the Welsh Government has had a real emphasis on supply chain uh, opportunities because the companies that INEOS will contract with will have a regional impact beyond Bridgend Uh, as well, and the task force I know is going in its next uh, phase of work to have a particular focus on that wider impact, the things that we can do beyond Bridgend as a town to make sure that the impact of the closure uh, is uh, attended to in all its different dimensions.
6: Thank you, First Minister. The next item is questions to the Deputy Minister and Chief Whip, and the first question is from Mohammed Ashkar
13: the Deputy Minister provide an update on measures to tackle hate crimes in Wales, please.
15: We've significantly increased our investment in tackling hate crime in recent months to address the rise in hateful narratives and I'll lead a debate in March providing an update on action to tackle hate crime with our partners in Wales.
13: Thank you for the reply Minister. West Police Forces recorded nearly 4,000 hate crimes in 2018 and 2019. 11% of these incidents were disabled hate crimes shocking. The learning disability charity United Response has called for measures to be taken across the country and by the authorities to make the process of reporting and convicting disability hate crimes more accessible and less daunting for victims. They went on to say they feel the process is currently a significant barrier to criminals being given the punishment they deserve especially in the context of dramatic rise in repeated offenders. Minister, will you take an action to address the specific needs of disabled people with regards to reporting hate crime in Wales, please?
15: I thank you very much for that question, Oscar, because it is true that the rise in disability hate crime was a shocking statistic. Um, last year. We have put more funding into our National Hate Crime Report uh, and Support Centre over the next two years. Uh, And that's also on top of annual funding that we give. And we're also developing um, an anti-hate crime campaign in terms of communications. And we're going to focus particularly on hate crime uh, affecting disabled people and learning from, for example, the organisation People First. We will be aware that People First organisations across Wales so that learning disabled people can contribute to that communications campaign in terms of tackling uh, disabled, dis- disabled people's hate crime which unfortunately has been on the rise. John Griffiths.
4: Um, Minister, would you agree with me that hate crime against the Gypsy Traveller community must be treated with equal seriousness as hate crime against any other community or minority in Wales. I recently met with local members of my (coughs) Gypsy Traveller community, and they feel very strongly that too often that isn't the case. And they gave examples of social media postings, for example, which were discriminatory, prejudicial, uh, and clearly hate crime. But when they tried to get effective action, (coughs) they found it very, very difficult. And their plea, really, was that hate crime against their community must be treated with equal seriousness as any other hate crime.
15: Uh, Again, I thank John Griffiths for that uh, important question. Uh, And indeed, we must treat hate crime against uh, gypsy traveller Roma communities with equal vigour as we are against uh, disability hate crime, race hate crime, LGBT hate crime, all the hate crimes that, uh, unfortunately, are in our midst. And of course I'm pleased that we're investing not only in our Travelling Ahead uh, funds in terms of uh, ensuring that we do have gypsy sites across uh, Wales, but also working with local authorities and those third sector organisations that we are supporting the Gypsy Traveller Roma and community. And can I I also say that it's very important that we have an all-party group um, to uh, tackle these issues and I meet regularly with Isaac Blake from the uh, Gypsy Traveller Roma, Romani Arts Company and we are funding them in terms of addressing these issues. Question, die, Jenny.
6: Question 2, Jenny Rathbone. Uh,
15: Minister, what strategies does the Welsh Government
16: have to maximise the benefits of Public Service Boards which are established by the Wellbeing of Future Generations Act?
15: Public Service Boards have a collective purpose and obligation to improve wellbeing in their areas through their local wellbeing plans And the Welsh Government provides a range of support to enable them to make their work as effective as possible. Uh,
16: Thank you. The the Climate Change Committee is currently scrutinising the Government's work on eliminating fuel poverty in Wales, important both from the social justice perspective as well as our need to eliminate carbon emissions as quickly as possible. Um, It's one of those challenging issues which requires a joined-up approach by all stakeholders from energy companies, to all public services as well as citizens an ideal subject you would have thought for public service boards yet we've yet to receive any evidence that public service boards are being tasked to join up the gaps between these different services. So uh, what is the Welsh Government doing to ensure that public service boards are grasping complex issues like fuel poverty to deliver on the ways of working and objectives as in the Wellbeing of Future Generations Act?
15: Well, uh, thank you, uh, Jenny Rathbone, for that question. And uh, it's very good to hear that the Climate Change Committee is undertaking this inquiry into uh, tackling uh, fuel poverty. Uh, What is crucial is that public service boards must uh, be held to account to the work that they're doing. And in fact, they have have that scrutiny through a local authority scrutiny committee which reviews both the governance of the Public Service Board and its decision and indeed the Welsh Government has a a representative on each of the Public Service Boards to make sure that there is connection between local, uh, national and uh, context and looking at policy issues. It's vital that PSBs do understand complex issues and and, uh, and, uh, address them. But I think there are some encouraging uh, accounts of what PSBs are doing in terms of making fuel poverty priority for the area and I just mentioned CUMTAF, I understand is tackling fuel poverty by promoting the warm homes programme, community energy schemes and home insulation Vale my own constituency I have to say has a long term goal of developing a coordinated approach to tackling fuel poverty and they're engaging in expertise and contribution of registered social landlords but Cardiff your our Public Service Board have specific action to help people out of poverty with fuel poverty as an outcome indicator which they're they're going to use to measure the impact of the Public Service Board. So that's a real opportunity to see if Cardiff can prove the important contribution impact of the Public Service Board in terms of tackling uh, fuel poverty. Jennifer Saunders Last autumn, the the Auditor-General
10: found that the way public service boards are currently operating is hampering their ability to improve the well-being of their communities. His report identified weaknesses such as the inadequacy of accountability and oversight arrangements, lack of public reporting and the duplication of PSB activity with other partnerships. Now, there is a significant difference between here and England. Here, Welsh Government policy for PSBs promotes a public sector-led response to addressing many challenges. And the private sector is not identified as a core PSB member. What consideration will you give to encouraging PSBs to consider the benefits of involving representatives of the private sector, which already show significant influences in other areas?
15: Well, it is important that that we assess the impact of public service boards, crucial uh, as part of the tools of the Wellbeing of Future Generations legislation, and obviously of great interest to the Commissioner. Uh, Of course, we are uh, seeking to support PSBs to make them have a a greater impact in terms of delivery. That includes engagement with partners, and not not just community, which is crucial, uh, but also uh, clearly private sector partners where appropriate. And for example, some public service boards are looking at those priorities such as early years, uh, policy area, uh, and which I know you would welcome, and also the foundational economy. But I think it is important that public service boards have to publish annual reports making their work transparent, improving wellbeing in their areas. So it is a point for scrutiny and to take into account their work.
6: Question three, three, Susie David.
15: What is the Welsh Government doing to tackle anti Semitism? The Welsh Government has adopted the International Holocaust Remembrance Alliance definition of anti Semitism in full and without qualification. We're determined to root out intolerance in our communities. And I'll provide a full statement this afternoon on work we're doing to combat anti Semitism and to commemorate the Holocaust. Uh, thank you for
11: that, and I'm looking forward to your statement. On the back of which, I hope to ask you a different question. Uh, but for now, I'd like to ask you about education. Uh, and in the light of the new curriculum, whether you would consider the work of the March of the Living movement. Uh, this is an annual educational programme which brings students from around the world to Poland, uh, where they explore the remnants of the Holocaust and march silently from Auschwitz to Birkenau. I have to say, visiting visiting the camps really does change people. Seeing is believing, and certainly feeling. Um, If education is at the heart of stamping out hatred, would you please work with the Education Minister to ensure absolutely that the Holocaust does not fall out of the curriculum and that as many
15: young people as possible have the opportunity to see these camps for themselves? Well, I thank Susie Davis very much for for that question. And I I realise that this follows your visit um, and uh, that you you attended, you are part of a delegation, I understand, um, to Auschwitz and I'm sure we'll hear more about that uh, later later on this afternoon when I make my statement. But uh, I I know the Education Minister will be willing to look at at the Living March Movement in particular as you've raised it today, but you will know uh, uh, that we do also provide an annual grant of 119,000 to the Holocaust Educational Trust to deliver the lessons from Auschwitz project. And also, and we'll speak more of it this afternoon, I'm sure we've provided 40,500 of funding, EU transition funding, in fact, to the Holocaust Memorial Day Trust to undertake much work involving schools um, in Wales as part of this this year's commemorations. I mean, actually, yesterday, young people took part in the national service in City Hall, um, which was very powerful, I know, and also last night at an event at the Friends Meeting House, where um, two young people read out the uh, Holocaust Memorial Prayer in Welsh and in English. And I think the, um, the fact that we're supporting the Holocaust uh, um, Educational Trust does mean that, in fact, last year, Uh, A visit took place. Now, I just got the opportunity to say um, that 186 participants took uh, took part in that uh, visit to Auschwitz, including 154 pupils from 66 schools, six forms, and colleges, 19 teachers, 13 others, including facilitators and press representatives. And that programme will run again in Wales from January, crucial to enable young people to engage. Clearly we will also look at the, uh, the movement, the Living March movement as well. Joyce Watson. Uh,
8: George uh, Yesterday marked the 75th anniversary since the liberation of Auschwitz death camp. And it's estimated that over a million uh, people who were predominantly uh, Jewish died a horrific death there. And that included men. Uh, women and children of all ages, and it is certainly, uh, we will all agree, one of the darkest periods in our human history. Uh, Minister, do you agree with me that we must always remember the atrocities that happened in Auschwitz so that they do serve as a stark reminder of what did and what can happen when people incite hatred uh, towards others?
15: I do thank Joyce Watson for that question. Uh, Together we must ensure the Holocaust remains in our collective memory as a warning of how hateful and divisive narratives can cause that unthinkable damage. Uh, And that's why we have funded the Holocaust Memorial Day Trust and the Holocaust Education Trust to undertake activities in Wales. But I think that many members here from across the chamber will... Have heard survivors. In fact, we heard survivor earlier on this year um, at, at an event organised with Darren Miller and Jenny Rathbone and others. But yesterday, uh, some of us also heard the survivor, Dr. Martin Stern. And we know that those, the survivors' stories, I, it is hard to believe um, that, they have, that they've survived, but they can, they're so committed, often in retirement. And we, won't, we have to listen. To those survivors, to what they've gone through. But I think the Holocaust Memorial Day is, as they say, learning lessons from the past to create a safer, better future. And we will be speaking more of this later this afternoon.
6: Question for Sean Gwyntlian. How will the Welsh Government ensure that existing human rights are protected when the UK leaves the European Union?
1: I have commissioned research on options to strengthen and advance equality and human rights in Wales. It will look at United Nations conventions, existing Welsh legislation and whether there may be a need for a human rights bill for Wales.
6: Excellent, I'm very pleased to hear that that you've commissioned that work and that that will include some legislative work because what we do know is that there is a very real potential for us to lose many of the rights, workers' rights, women's rights, the rights of disabled people as we leave the European Union. And I believe that in the summer the Council General Jeremy Miles raised this issue on the need for legislation and I think Stefan Lewis, the late Stefan Lewis and myself mentioned this a while ago too. And the name that we proposed was a People's Rights Act. So I'm very pleased to hear that there is some movement towards this. Can you give us some sort of timetable on it, please?
15: Talking about uh, Shana, and I think the, uh, the the Jeremy Miles lecture at Stedford, uh, Stefan Lewis, of course, uh, and I was glad to be sharing the committee uh, committee space with him. Um, uh, just uh, when we have the chance I would always raise human rights and I know members do on on David's committee. But it's uh, very important that we've actually awarded a contract for the research in terms of timetable. It's a consortia led by Swansea University who are going to research these wider options uh, in terms of the the commission is about strengthening and advancing equality and human rights in Wales. We also have a steering group, um, which is meeting tomorrow for the first time, um, and we expect to report by the end of this year. But it will be looking at the impact of the withdrawal of the, uh, the loss of the Charter of Fundamental Rights of the European Union. And we know that human rights are hardwired into our DNA, not just legally through the provisions in the Government of Wales Act, but also culturing through our proud history in Wales as striving for fairness and inclusivity
7: is uh, <laughs> um, I, I know of your personal commitment to uh, human rights uh, Minister and I'm very pleased uh, that the Welsh government is at least talking about trying to take something forward uh, in order to emphasize and underscore Uh, the commitment through legislation uh, here in Wales. Uh, As you will know, I introduced an Older People's Bill uh, which effectively was voted down by the Government because of your intention to bring forward uh, legislation. Uh, I am very concerned though that the timetable simply will not allow for a piece of legislation uh, to get through uh, this Parliament uh, by the time that we rise and go into our dissolution period in advance of the next Uh, National Assembly uh, elections. And I'd be very grateful uh, if you could give an indication as to uh, the position uh, of the government and whether you feel that legislation will be achieved within the tight time table that we have. And if it isn't going to be achieved, what other action are you going to take in order to protect these rights?
15: Uh, Thank you uh, for that question, Darren Miller. And it is important that that I report back, and I indeed will do, on. Uh, progress with this uh, important work. We start, the steering group meets tomorrow, uh, the, it's called the Strength and Advancing Equality and Human Rights in Wales steering group, and we, uh, we're also actually making progress with commencing the socio-economic duty in part one of the Equality Act, you're aware we've just completed consultation. We're also reviewing the Welsh specific duties under the public sector equality duty, so these are important Um, tools to strengthen and to meet meet those uh, needs in terms of human rights. But we're looking at those wider options in terms of the possible incorporation of UN conventions into Welsh law. And of course that's something that Helen Mary Jones also brought up in terms of prospects for a possible legislative opportunity. We will, of course, we are undertaking, we've commissioned this research in order to ensure that we get this right, and I know you will, across the, the chamber will accept that's the right way forward, but it, of course, does, uh, will enable us to consider, and I'm sure all parties will want to, then consider uh, the need for fresh, whether there is a need for fresh leg- legislation such as a human rights bill for Wales. Thank you very much, Deputy Minister.